Welcome to Relentless Truth with John Warren, the podcast that extracts truth from a wide range of topics, revealing who God is, who we are, and how we relate to each other. Now, here's John with this week's powerful and practical insights. Welcome to Relentless Truth. I'm John Warren. It's good to be with you again. Uh, you can go to our website for more information about our work at uh, johnwarrenmedia.com. Feel free to send along an email to me at john at johnwarrenmedia.com. You can find information about my company, CFS Financial, there on a tab on the website if you're interested in the work that is responsible for uh, this podcast. Uh, we're not a financial advisor firm. We don't. I don't give personal financial advice. I'm not licensed to do so. I occasionally talk about the economy, but you can see our consulting work at CFS Financial. We focus on nonprofits, particularly Christian nonprofits, ministries. We work with some for-profit companies and other types of nonprofits from time to time. We focus on debt negotiation, reconciliation, companies that have struggles with their banks usually contact us and uh, we work with other providers to uh, do things like provide replacement uh, funding we make introductions and the like and we have lots of success stories that i uh, there's one in particular that i want to tell you about involving a school in illinois and we'll do that in an upcoming episode it is a a, an incredible story of God's faithfulness. I'll give you the short version of the story without naming them because they're still wrapping up the details of this. They started, and I believe it was 2012, I'm almost sure of that, uh, while in foreclosure, and they were very public about this, uh, with their bank, they owed almost $22 million in debt. They have a terrific campus and uh, a, a, a really good school, big school, and, and they, they do very, very well on a number of fronts, but they found themselves saddled by a bunch of debt. And when we tell the story in an upcoming episode, I'll explain all of that to you. I might even interview their head of school. And the good news is through a series of events, and I'm going to make this sound way easier and uh, way more direct than it really was, but through a number of events over many years, over 11 or maybe 12 years now, they are debt-free today. And what, what, a, what an amazing story that is, what a, an amazing testimony of God's grace, of his faithfulness, of their faithfulness and hard work. There are so many people I want to give a shout out to there at that school. I just made that sound way simpler. It was a multi-step. And when I say multi, I mean 10 or so step uh, process. There were board members who stepped up and did uh, some amazing work uh, who were very careful in the way they cared for this ministry, this Christian school. And so we'll talk about that in an upcoming episode. I'm looking forward to to doing that. But today, uh, I, I want to, you know, I, I have a feeling that I'm going to echo a sentiment that, that you've been feeling for several weeks now. 
because I, I want to talk about Lloyd Austin, our Secretary of uh, Defense. And, and this, this story, and, and there may be new facts that unfold even today. Uh, it's, it's, it's just fast and furious. And, and I, I, I want to talk about it in, in, in a context that uh, is consistent with the purpose of this podcast, is consistent with something that we here have spoken about before. And, and, uh, and, and that, that topic is uh, uh, just the U.S. Constitution and, and what, it, what it says and doesn't say. Now, I'm not going to go through this boring recitation of things we've talked about before. Uh, you know uh, that Article One addresses the uh, executive branch, Article Two, the legislative branch, or the, I'm sorry, Article One is the, the uh, legislative branch, the Congress, and Article Two, the executive branch, Article Three, the judiciary, and you know about checks and balances and all the rest. You know about a government concept, a really important one that that we've gotten away from. And I think I think this has been a temptation in a republic like ours, a republic form of government with democratic elections. This is always going to be a tendency. But there's an old government axiom there's an there's a a way that governments like ours in a in a free society in a republic like ours where we have fair and free elections where representatives make the laws for us there's an important concept and that is the government functions at the consent of the governed and we express that consent a number of ways. If you think about it, if, if our government is in place, and I, I'm starting to question that, I'm going to whine a little bit today about that. But if our government is in place and legally, from a constitutional standpoint, it is in place because we put it there. Now, they're, they're career bureaucrats. I, I, I don't think the, the founders of this country and the original Congress and many Congresses thereafter, I don't think any of them uh, anticipated this, this, this thing we do today, but this way we govern today. And I'm going to, I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about Lloyd Austin and this, this challenge that we have. So I don't think they could have anticipated it, but we express our consent. So, so government functions at the consent of the governed and we express that consent primarily by voting. But we have a ton, as in a lot, of unelected bureaucrats, officials. Uh, Donald Trump called them the deep state. You can call them whatever you want. But we've got a, a lot of people who actually run, run the government. And you've heard, you've heard questions lately about Joe Biden's age at 81 and just, you know, who's in charge and all, all that, that kind of talk. You hear about his vacations, and I don't begrudge uh, a president's ability to take some time off. It's a high-stress job, but you'll you'll hear that they call the lid on on press activity, you know, before the day starts sometimes or early in the day, and and, and his calendar is empty, and 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 who knows what he's doing. If I was eighty-one years old, I'd I'd need some rest too. Uh, but but uh, and it's important for the president to get some time away. But but there's. There's all of that, and then, then there's this frustration that my students have, and, and I, I have some really bright 
students who are really together, who are already adulting is the word I would use, who already think like 40 year olds and they're very serious students. And they, they, they are, they are already bothered, troubled by this notion of government functioning at the consent of the government. They're, they're like, how does that work? And, and so I try to prove in class that, that, that this is a problem by calling our two senators, Marco Rubio and Rick Scott. And, and by the way, Senator Rubio and Senator Scott, if you, if you listen to this podcast, which I am pretty sure you don't, but if, but if you do, uh, you can, you can contact me at John at John Warren media.com. Uh, I have only in 10 years of teaching these classes, U S government, uh, several sections each year, I have only one time reached an associate at one of your offices. And that associate was, uh, he worked for Marco Rubio. It was last year. And he sent some nice photographs that were autographed and a nice letter from the Senator. It meant so much to the students, but on all the rest of the attempted contacts. And so I teach three sections of this class. So that would be about 30. (laughs) So, so one out of 30 times we reached an intern who, who cared all the rest of the time I left messages. I got put on Rick Scott's mailing list, uh, asking me for funds. And he continues to do that. And otherwise no contact, no return call, no contact. So my students rightfully wonder just like America wonders right now because of this Lloyd Austin story, How is it exactly that government functions at the consent of the governed? How exactly? I mean, do we have to go to a town hall and shout? Uh, Do we have to protest? Do we have to, do we have to show up at your office and sit outside the door and hope you pay attention to us, throw us a crumb? I I don't think so. I, I, I think government functions in this country still legally at the consent of the governed. And I think the governed are ticked. Frankly, it's not ticked. It's concerned. It's deeply, deeply concerned. And I want to talk about this, this farce, this, this story involving our so-called defense secretary, Lloyd Austin. And I, I don't know Mr. Austin. Uh, I guess it's General Austin. Uh, I, I want to respect him because of his title. But my goodness, it's hard to. And I, you know, you never know in a situation like this, who's really making the decisions, who, who, who made the call not to tell people that, that he, that he, for example, if you don't know this story, your, your head's about to explode, but he, he went into the hospital on December 22nd, not just any hospital, but Walter Reed National Military Medical Center on December 22nd. He is 70 years old. We didn't get word of this. So, so this is our defense secretary. I don't need to remind you of all the things going on in the world right now. But you've got the whole Palestinian territory conflict with Israel. The, the eradication, I hope, of Hamas. And I hope of Hezbollah, too. But, but we've, we've got that going on. And, and we've, we've said some, you know, Anthony Blinken is over there, our Secretary of State, and, he, and we, we, we've said some things, and, and President Biden has said some things that, are, you know, originally were very supportive of Israel, and then now we're kind of backing up a little bit, and you're hearing um, a little uh, uh, dribbles of, of uh, well, not so sure. I think we kind of need to be more humane, and we need to 
Israel needs to back off. And, and they're not really saying that. They're really they're, they're just doing government speak, that, that thing they, that postmodernists do when they, they don't really want to talk and give an opinion. And I know I sound harsh today, but it is, it is deeply, deeply concerning to me, our, our, our posture. And, and, then, and then Ukraine is at war. I don't need to tell you about China and Taiwan and the, 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 the provocation that goes on there. Um, I'm sure I'm leaving out some other countries with some other interesting things that are going on. I bet Lloyd Austin's job as Secretary of Defense is a hard one. There are some cabinet positions like Pete Buttigieg and, and Secretary of Transportation. That, that's another farcical appointment, um, not because he's gay, but because he, he lacks experience at this. He's a mayor. Uh, I don't know what qualifies a mayor who shoveled some asphalt one day for a press opportunity to be Secretary of Transportation. That's neither here nor there. But, but I, I would imagine this particular cabinet position, Secretary of Defense, is, is, is significantly more demanding than most. The, the difference between Secretary of Defense and Secretary of State is Secretary of State it, it also has a demanding job, but is involved in diplomacy. Secretary of Defense is responsible for, he's part of the, the executive branch of the government, which is addressed in Article 2 of the Constitution. He serves, they both serve, at the pleasure of the president, and, and, and he enables the civilian control of the military of the United States, which is a big deal. It's civilian control of the mili- military. The, our framers brilliantly didn't want military control of the government. I believe that structure has eliminated the even the remote possibility of some sort of military coup. I guess it's always possible, but but I believe that's the reason we haven't had some military leader who rises up and tries to take control of the country. I, I, I think our system of checks and balances otherwise is, is also beautiful. But this notion that the president of the United States, who is a civilian, who cannot have a military title while serving, gives us civilian control of the military. And that happens through the Secretary of Defense. That's the important distinction that I want to make and be sure we all understand. that That is a beautiful component of this Constitution that protects us. It's a wonderful uh, check and balance. And then you have the legislature and the judiciary also providing checks and balances. Well, we're not doing so much checking and balancing right now, in my opinion. So Lloyd Austin, Secretary Austin, General Lloyd Austin goes into Walter Reed National Medical Military Medical Center on December 22nd and remain there until the following day. And he has a deputy named Kath Hicks who assumed some duties supposedly on his behalf, but Pentagon officials never informed the White House, think about this, of that initial medical procedure. That's what they said on Monday of this week. And, and as I'm recording this, that would be uh, that, that, that would be the 8th of January. And, and so and, and so here, here's what's going on. Uh, they, they, don't, they don't say anything to anybody. Austin has the procedure. I'm going to tell you what the procedure was in a minute, at, or what I know of it. And, and then 
and then he goes home the next day. So he he's he he was in the hospital on he, he was admitted on December twenty second. He has the procedure. They're calling it a procedure. It was surgery. Uh, they they call it a procedure. He goes home on the twenty third, and then on January first, Lloyd Austin experienced severe pain from complications from that procedure. And he was rushed in an ambulance back to Walter Reed, where he was admitted into the intensive care unit. Now, now, now again, as far as we know, he still didn't inform the White House, the Congress, or the public until three days later. We, we were not informed. So I, you know, I don't know about you, but throughout my career, when I wasn't my own boss, uh, or even now in my teaching duty, if I'm not showing up for work, if I'm not available, I I, I got to tell somebody, and and you do too, and and you and you you know you need you need support and approval and all those things, and and work or or at least being on standby even over the Christmas holiday is essential if you're in this mission critical role where you run the national defense of the United States of America. But the White House didn't know. I I, I mean, I, I guess I believe that. I hope there's more information that comes out. But you don't tell anybody. And then, and then get this. Here's what they said. And it's important to know this. When they decided to talk about it, they called it, for two days, this week, they called it an elective procedure. Elective. Well, guess what it was? He's got prostate cancer. And he had surgery, apparently robotic surgery. I'm not sure of that. But the press has said he had robotic surgery on his prostate. Now, I, I you know, physicians correct me. I haven't called my physician friends to check on this, but... I, I think it's a stretch to call that elective. You know, getting a facelift is elective. Getting a tummy tuck is elective. Getting a mole removed is elective. Having something cosmetic done is elective. You, you might even argue that, you know, you can live with a gallbladder with some gallstones and maybe that surgery is elective sometimes. Sometimes it's not. There, there are some elective surgeries, but surgery to remove cancer from your prostate, I, you know, I guess it's elective in the sense that you have other choices. Probably prostate cancer is complicated. You, 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 you can do radiation seeding. You can do radiation itself. You can, you can have surgery. You can, I've got a friend who they're just watching it. Uh, he's, he's not having anything done. They're just, it's so small that it just bears watching and they're telling him he'll die from something else, which is their way of saying, not going to be a problem for you. You don't have to do anything, but we're going to watch it to make sure. I, I, I guess it's elective in that sense. And I, I, I don't know that it matters whether you want to call it elective or not. The point is the, the secretary of defense for our country, arguably the most powerful on earth was under anesthesia and probably sedated substantially for days without knowledge, without the boss, without the president without the executive branch apparently knowing I, 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 that that is unbelievable to me and so now they're all scrambling 
that this this guy, this this poor Air Force major, General Pat Ryder, had to brief reporters for the first time on this illness on Monday, and he declined to give the reason for the first procedure or state why senior Pentagon officials, including himself, kept either of these episodes, either the surgery or the having to go back to the hospital, secret. He said, I'm offering you the facts as we have them in terms of an explanation of how this happened. We will review our procedures and look at how we can do better. I'll tell you how you can do better. Uh, Quit. Go away. Uh, Hire some better people. Uh, Impeach this Secretary of Defense. I, I know I sound crazy. I know it sounds aggressive, but but we don't we 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 can't do this. That we can't live this way. This is putting the world at risk. Or it proves that Austin's about as detached as 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 President Biden. I mean, my goodness, do these people even go to work? Do they do anything? I, I mean, how how do you not take this job? more seriously. I am thankful that we have a relatively free press and that they are now digging. They are now on this story. I would imagine if if they're after you for a story, it's annoying, but I am thankful for them because we wouldn't know about this, but for them, we would have never heard about the Secretary of Defense. Ryder said that he was not aware of other instances in which the secretary had been incapacitated and had transferred authorities to his deputy without informing the White House. Not aware. That's not good enough. You, it is your job in these capacities with military weapons and people at your disposal. It is your job to be aware and have your people aware and make your boss, the president of the United States, aware. Now, my heart goes out. I'm a cancer survivor, a colon cancer survivor. In fact, my 20-year anniversary is coming up in a couple of months in March. And, and I am grateful that God spared me, and I am grateful for medicine. I am grateful for treatment, for surgery, for talented people who, who do this work. My heart goes out to Lloyd Austin and his family, but, dude, you're in an important job. You can't manage this way. As much as you want to keep this private, you forfeit that option when you take a job like this. You forfeit that option when you take a job as a CEO somewhere or a significant member of a management team of any company, especially a publicly held one. My goodness, there are disclosure rules The U.S. Constitution spells all of this out very clearly. Well, on Tuesday, January 2nd, uh, these senior advisors to Austin, including Joint Chiefs of Staff General uh, C.Q. Brown, Austin senior military aide, and Ryder, this guy I quoted a minute ago, learned that Austin had been hospitalized on Tuesday. And... Two days after that, so now, now we're about we're getting close to two weeks after the original surgery. Kelly Magsamen, Magsamen, M-A-G-S-A-M-E-N, Austin's chief of staff, informed the White House of all of this. The 
the department blamed this delay, this this two-day gap from the return to the hospital being reported to the president on, on Maximin being ill that week. Ryder wouldn't say who is responsible for the chief of staff's duties when she's away, but the Pentagon ultimately informed Congress and the public apparently late last Friday afternoon. I think that was the 5th. So Democrats and Republicans are raising concerns. Um, this, 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 uh, whether it's elective or not, doesn't matter. It's significant. He was under anesthesia. He's been intensive in intensive care. We should pray for him. We should pray for all of our leaders, but particularly Lloyd Austin's health. But the president has taken a ridiculous number of days off since taking office. I'm not going to quote the number because I'll get it wrong, but it's it it's it's about a third of the time, a little less than that. He's he's not working. Apparently, I mean, I guess he's working 24 seven in a technical sense, but he, he's 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 somewhere else in Delaware or in Camp David or the Caribbean recently, and 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 that's fine. Needs some downtime. I get it. But he's just disengaged. I at least have the perception he is disengaged. He's really not running the guy. How often is the cabinet meeting? I mean, it's not because he's 81, 81 year olds and plus. I'm not picking on you. I know some of you who are brilliant and hardworking still. But but we begin to fade a little and require more rest and have to disengage some at that age. And I'm just wondering, do we actually have a president who's who's working? I mean, I, I'm sure there's pressure. I'm sure he is, but my goodness, we've we've got naval assets in 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 near Israel and, and Gaza in in the Red Sea policing this commercial shipping lane. Uh, what what in the world? I, I mean, doesn't he need to be available? What what if we had some major incident where Yemen fires more missiles? And I think we did. I think yesterday they fired more than ever. I mean, those guys are opportunists. I, I want, I'm, I'm, I know there's a chain of command. I know there are other people who can, who can make decisions, but the secretary of defense under anesthesia, I, I, I where is the leadership in this administration? Now, I've, I've been a harsh critic of the Trump administration too. This isn't a partisan issue that, 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 that administration had another set of issues that are deeply concerning. But it, it's just about time. I mean, we're we're right here before the Republican primary season. They, well, the general primary season uh, is underway. We have got to, we have got to exercise our consent, the consent of the governed, more aggressively. I am not suggesting violence. I'm not suggesting even protests. Although that would be fine as long as they're nonviolent and law-abiding protests. I'm suggesting that we engage, that we engage and, and, and vote and, and have voices and say things on podcasts like this. There, there, you know, there, there's all this talk now, Austin, Austin's still hospitalized and, and whatever his condition is, is still undisclosed, but he has re- resumed his duties from the hospital and he's, he, here's what he said. I recognize I could have done a better job ensuring the public was appropriately informed. No, 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 no. You lied. You, you lied by omission. You would not tolerate that of your children if you have them. I commit to doing better. 
We hold elementary students more accountable than this. No, no, it's not doing better. It, it's, it's, it's don't conduct yourself horrifically. There's not just a little incremental improvement needed here. There is substantial improvement. In fact, why does he get to keep his job? And I don't want low-level heads to roll, but 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 there there it is just I I don't understand how government can function this way. People were all were all exercised when I was much younger over Ronald Reagan taking naps. I think we wish Jimmy Carter had taken some naps, but Ronald Reagan took naps, apparently. Took a nap every day, I don't know, it was an hour or two or something in the afternoon, and people were just were just beside themselves over that. Well, this guy took a nap with anesthesia and probably was sedated for days and didn't tell anybody. I, I just don't know how that happens. I hope by the time you hear this podcast episode that, that resignations have happened, including Lloyd Austin's no offense, Mr. Austin, secretary Austin. Um, you, you seem like a nice guy, I guess, but, but you know, I mean, there, there, there's so much more. There, there, there. Uh, the, the John Kirby, who, who tries so hard to be a good, uh, I guess he's called press secretary, a National Security Council spokes, spokesman. That's what he is, John Kirby. Here, here's, here's what he said. I fully expect that we'll take a look at process, at process and procedure here. Well, I hope so. My goodness, we'll do what's akin to a hot wash. He says and try to see if processes and procedures need to be changed at all or modified. I think changing is modifying, sir, with all due respect, so that we can learn from this. Need to be, we'll, we'll see if processes and procedures need to be changed at all or modified. So that, what, what in the world kind of syntax is that? And that's not the, that's not the point. The, the, the point is, We'll see if it needs to be, you better believe it needs to be modified. Why in the world? You know, here's the bottom line. Postmodernism, this, this, and Austin always has been saying some things that make him sound very woke. And that's, that's just wonderful if he wants to be woke. But, but this, this, your truth is your truth. My truth is my truth. Absolute objective truth isn't a, isn't a thing. Gets us in trouble. It allows this kind of activity. We'll, we'll see if processes and procedures need to be changed at all or modified so that we can learn from this. This, this word salad nonsense, this, this soup, this, this, this pathetic desire that we have to say something without saying anything drives me crazy. And I hope we vote people out of office who do it. I hope we don't support a candidate. I don't care which side of the aisle you're on who won't give straight answers. And I'll tell you what, I, this isn't a commercial for him, but Ron DeSantis was on a town hall meeting yesterday and, and you know, he's not cool, he's not smooth, but he, but he told the truth. He's very straightforward and detailed in his answers. The, the, the politician that won't answer the question should trouble all of us. The governed should express their consent by getting involved. I, I feel a little, a little helpless with this thing with Lloyd Austin. I don't know that there's that much 
that we can do. And I'm I'm not in the business of just bashing Joe Biden, our president. Uh, certainly not in that in the business of doing so because of his age. But I think we're beginning to see cracks in the foundation of his administration. And I I just have to wonder, you know, where, you know, he's had crisis after crisis and he always backs his people. And I think one of the reasons he does, and I think one of the reasons our border is out of control, I think one of the reasons the economy is so, the the signaling from the administration is so inconsistent, it makes people just kind of wonder what in the world's happening. But but I, I, I really believe that he's kind of an absentee guy and relying on other people to run the country. And I know presidents in the past have done that too, but but it just feels worse than ever. This this lack of transparency around Austin's medical issues is deeply, deeply concerning. Democrats and Republicans in Congress are concerned. Some of the candidates are talking about this. But I think it's it's emblematic of it's reflective of a deeper issue and i think it's a spiritual one and i think it's the embracing of postmodernism that is there is no absolute truth it is a denial of biblical truth if you think about it and i'm i'm not looking to spiritualize everything although everything is spiritualized in my head but i'm not looking to convince you to do that i'm just asking you to consider that when words lose their meaning when we can lie and say, that's my truth, and that's what our politicians do now, then we have really lost our way. And the governed are afraid to exercise their consent. And again, not suggesting violence, not suggesting anything earth shattering or dramatic, but we have got to voice our concerns. So Senator Scott and Senator Rubio, I live in Florida you can come on the podcast anytime. I don't expect that you'll hear this. And if you do, or a staffer does, I don't expect that you'll take me up on that. I have sent written invitations to both of you. We need to return to objective truth and accountability. We need to hold our president accountable. There are some folks who, who formerly served in really responsible positions who were saying things like President Biden needs to fire his national security advisor and several other senior leaders who oversaw things like Afghanistan. They're, they're saying now that, they, that there are people who need to be fired for not telling him about Lloyd Austin. Well, we are losing confidence, Mr. President, in your administration, and it's time for responsible people to step up. Uh, It's time for you to have cabinet meetings. It's time for engagement. Step down if you can't handle it. This isn't about your policies. It's about your effort. It's about the the taking the responsibility seriously. It's about the integrity of a nation. And I'm not overstating it. This Lloyd Austin thing points to a significant weakness in the way this executive branch conducts business. I can pick on Congress. I can pick on the Supreme Court. You know, there, there are policy differences that we can talk about, but this is, this is a deal breaker kind of, kind of issue. This, this low drama 
White House in terms of staffing. You know, we support everybody because everybody's doing their own thing and it's an empowerment White House. And, you know, we've kind of got intersectionality going on everywhere. That's fine. That's what you want. That's that's just fine. But but we have got to have government functioning at the consent of the governed. And I'm going to stop rambling and I'm going to assure you that nothing, Romans 8, nothing shall separate us from the love of God. God is sovereign Christian. We can rest in that. If you don't know that comfort and you'd like to know more, send an email to me at john at johnwarrenmedia.com or just go to johnwarrenmedia.com and send something on our contact form telling me that you'd like to know what in the world I'm talking about. Nothing separating us from the love of God or God being sovereign. This peace that we can't explain that we have, this 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 relief from anxiety that we can experience. I mean, I, I get a little fired up about these things, but ultimately I rest in Jesus Christ and his finished work. I rest in God's character, his essence. And I, I rest in my salvation. I rest in the fact that my trust is in him, not in Joe Biden or Lloyd Austin. Well, I hope, you know, I guess I, guess I know I've been a little whiny in this episode, and I know that's out of character for this podcast. I hope you will indulge me uh, this one time. We're next week, uh, and I'm excited to announce this, we're going to start moving our way through Paul's epistle to the church at Philippi. Next week is the introductory week. We're going to talk about some history. We're going to talk about some people who were kind of threatening his ministry. And, And Paul is in prison in Rome as he writes this. He's under house arrest. He's chained to a Roman guard 24-7 in six-hour shifts. And uh, what, what, a, what an amazing story. I can only imagine. I'm, I hope I can paint a picture that will give you this drone-like experience hovering over these two places, Rome and Philippi, during this time. He founded this church, and then he's going to hear that, that others are attacking his work while he's in prison. You know, he's helpless. He can't. He can't get on a boat and travel there uh, as clumsy as travel was back then. He can't leave. He's, he's imprisoned for two years. And so he writes a letter. That's all he can do. And he sends it with a guy. And we'll talk about him. Epaphroditus is his name. Kind of a cool guy. You're going to want to hear about Epaphroditus. So I hope you will come back next week. And uh, in the meantime, please like, share, review, and subscribe to Relentless Truth. It is it is word of mouth. It is your sharing these episodes with friends uh, through email, social media, and the like that advances this podcast. I'm grateful for this audience, and I look forward to being with you again next time. Thanks for listening to Relentless Truth with John Warren. Please consider sharing this podcast and subscribe to receive future episodes. Connect with John regarding your comments, questions, and show ideas through johnwarrenmedia.com or at John Warren Media on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. That's all for this episode. Join us next week for another edition of Relentless Truth with John Warren. Thank you.